You're getting all up. You're getting all ahead of me. Well, I'm trying to here. Twenty here. You know what I'll do? Because because you're you know simple and slow. We're gonna bold <laughs> this episode. You're simple and slow. <laughs> Hold on, I have to magnify my screen. Hey, welcome to episode 25. Sorry we missed last week. Uh, Bill was on assignment. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Yeah. uh, This is on Taking Pictures. We're, uh, other than last week, we're a weekly podcast. Uh, We're talking about the art and science of making images. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and with me, finally, after lollygagging for a week, is Bill Wadman. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you? Good. What's up, Mr. Fancy Pants? I was lollygagging uh, in the beautiful Sierra Nevada mountains. Yes. Yeah. You, we should talk about that a little. You were yeah, in Yosemite. Uh, uh, where, where did you go? It was in uh, uh, San Francisco. I was yes. in uh, um, Yosemite. I was in Fresno. Uh, which which probably was the highlight of the trip, Fresno. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, Sequoia and <laughs> Kings Canyon National Parks. Yep. Uh, then out to the, around Santa Barbara area right. and then came down into LA for a couple of days and then flew out, uh, last night, got in this morning at 5.00 AM. Um, so yeah, I mean, plenty to talk about there, but, uh, we, you know, we got other things on the show. What else? We, we got what? other, we've got a, first of all, we got a brand new sponsor and oh. we're very excited about this. Uh, we're talking about Squarespace and we'll, we'll tell you why we're so excited about it a little bit later in the show, but, uh, we want to thank Squarespace for coming on board and helping us, helping us put the show together. We appreciate them. Uh, and also, uh, totally rad and their amazing plugins, rad lab and pro retouch, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well. Excellent. Um, we got a lot of mail to catch up on, but I think you want to save that. Yeah, you know, I think because we missed last week, why don't we do this? Why don't we talk a little bit about my trip and all the things that I've learned on my trip? Um, <laughs> from being away to stay in Fresno, for, from from being away in the wilderness, like John Muir, uh, yeah. I, I learned things. Um, and then maybe what we can do is on Thursday or Friday we'll do another show where we get to the piles of listener mail and, and voicemails and, and comments and articles. So today's yeah, more of a catch-up, and then Friday we'll kind of do the thing. Okay. Is that all right? Uh, but yeah, before we begin, yeah. I, I, need, I need to be serious just for a second. Okay. Um, how many times did you eat at In-N-Out Burger while you were in California? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> twice. Only Twice. Only twice. Um, wow. Okay. I, I tweeted one of the pictures. Did you see that one? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You were my, my you were double double and, and guest number two at 1030 in the morning. Well, no, that was the second time. <laughs> the first time I actually tweeted our burgers and fries. Um, okay. And then it was, it, yeah, we got up early one day in uh, Santa Maria. Is that, was, is that a place? Sure. Santa, okay. That and, is a place. Yeah. And, um, and we were like leaving and I had some carbs and we were headed to that, um, Sol, Sol, I call it Solfege, Solvang, Solvang, sure. Which is a, a Dutch? Is that what it is? Little Danish, little Danish, Danish city, yeah. little Danish like uh, town in California where they have all kinds of pastries and things. And I thought to myself, I really, really shouldn't eat all carbs today because I had like carbs for breakfast, and I was like, right. I need some protein. And it was ten thirty, or actually it was ten twenty in the morning. Right. And uh, it turns out that In-N-Out Burger opens at 10.30, but they waved me in at 10.20. And there was already two people sitting there eating 
at well, 10 I, see, I don't know what's 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 more exciting the fact that they waved you in or the fact that when you think of protein you think of in and out burger hey it's meat and that's what's important um <laughs> And it was good, and they, you know, it was fresh and well, whatnot. Of course, it's good. It's in and out Burger. What do you mean? It's, it, it was it's pretty good. Like Surprise! I kind of felt like I needed to go more, but the problem is, in a lot of places, like in the national parks and stuff, pretty much a hamburger is all you can get. Right, and they're like seventeen dollars. Right. So I, we had eaten so many hamburgers by the time we got to In and Out Burgers, it was like, oh, I can't do another burger right now. Right. You know? um, but it, well, let's back up. So, yep. For those of you who don't know, I, uh, my partner Heather and I go on. Past few years, we've been going on these trips out west. Um, it's Bill Wadman in the American West. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, like three years ago, we went to uh, uh, flew to uh, Las Vegas, went to Zion, Bryce Canyon, then down around to Grand Canyon, and then back to Vegas and flew out. Um, two years ago, we did San Francisco to Yosemite to like Bishop, California, down through Death Valley to Vegas over a week. Sure. And then um, last year we flew into Denver and then drove over to Utah and did arches and Canyonlands and Goblin Valley and that kind of stuff. Um, and then went back to Denver and flew out. And so we wanted to do we, – we, we, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in my family for health reasons or whatever. So we had a book uh, – a trip planned for two weeks ago. And – uh, I ended up ha- we ended up having to cancel it and push it back a week, so we ended up having to rebook. And we decided, you know what, let's go to San Francisco, down to L.A. via Yosemite because you can, you can never get enough Yosemite. No, you, no, it's like a, it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. Yeah, it really is. Despite I, my not having been to many other places on earth. Well, yeah, for some reason that place is just it's just really special in mm-hmm. a really deep way. So. So we went back to Yosemite. This is my fourth time at Yosemite. Um, uh, and uh, you know, I think I have, I've had my fill like of Yosemite. Yeah. Like I, I've been there four times. I've been to Glacier Point a bunch of times. I've been down to Mariposa three times now. Um, I've, uh, you know, going up through the, the meadows up top. I've been through Tioga pass three times. Um, it, it, I would go again if uh, in like 10 years or if somebody else was going with me who hadn't been there. You ever mm-hmm. have that thing where it's it's almost more exciting going to visit a place when sure, somebody you're else... seeing it through somebody else's yeah, eyes. Exactly. Absolutely. And you know, we talked I, I would love to do it the way your friend Jonathan Gorman on on his motorcycle. That would be fun. Yeah, so my buddy Jonathan who we met up with uh, in LA cuz I went down and visited uh Jeffrey and Nikki in LA. And uh, met up in Pasadena. My friend Jonathan rides a little moto bike, and he did 365 miles in one day. Yeah. Um, and anybody who knows uh, Yosemite, and th- this is not a touring bike. This is like an uh, you know like an yeah. off road yep. kind of enduro bike. But he was riding tires. on the roads. Right. Right. So he he went uh, from Mariposa into, for anybody who knows the area, from Mariposa into the valley, up to Glacier Point, back down to the valley up through 120 all the way to Tioga Pass down to Mono Lake and then back up to the valley in one day. This yeah. is a monumental drive. This is like yeah. this is huge. It's 7 hours of driving, you know, or 10 hours of driving. Um so yeah, it's hardcore. But I kind of got to the point where I was like, you know what? I've seen all these things, they're beautiful. Um 
if I go again, I probably want to go in the early spring before it gets too busy, but while the waterfalls are going. Because uh, I've never. What about when it snows? Any interest in, in being there when it's when it's well, snowing? Funny enough, it snow. It was like seventy degrees there when we were there early last week. Apparently, it snowed yesterday. There. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. First wow. snow of the season. Um, wow. Yeah, and the, the whole valley was covered, and, and it was apparently. I, or at least Heather had a picture up the other day. Um, so we drove around. And we you know you take pictures and. When we were in San Francisco, we stayed with a couple of friends, and I met up with a friend of the show, Gary Yost, who's um, a photographer, videographer guy out there, and uh, in previous life was a software developer and, and entrepreneur. Yeah. Little program called 3D Studio Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Gary's Gary's like, you know, he's oh, what a great guy. We had such such a good time with Gary uh, and his daughter Ruby, and and we we went on hikes up Mount Tamalpais and all that kind of stuff, and. Gary does these amazing stop motion videos uh, from up there on the hill at night with mm. the stars moving in the city in the background. And they're unbelievable. And I'll, I'll put the, I'll put the thing in the show notes. And um, he was saying, I said, you know, here's the problem. I said, I, I don't have the patience to take pictures of landscapes, you know? Sure. Um, it, it's, it's, it, you, I said, how much, how much of the, the footage that you, the, the footage you took the first time you came out to do this, how much of it did you use? And he's like, I threw away 90%. Right. You know, because with, he's, he made a good point. He says, look, it's with landscapes, it's less about the landscape and more about the weather. The weather is what you're photographing. Mm-hmm. And he's right. You know, sure. if, if you take a picture, we, we went up to uh, Glacier Point in, in um, Yosemite, which if you haven't been is one of the places you have to go in your, in your life. Um, it overlooks the whole valley. You're like 3,500 feet up from the valley. It's a straight cliff down. You're overlooking a uh, um, half dome in one direction. It's, it's just amazing. But we got up there. We, drew, we woke up at 5 a.m. and we drove up there and were there for sunrise. So it was completely black when we got there. The sun was just starting to like warm up, you know, like there was light coming up through the trees. And we got there and we were all alone at Glacier Point, which was amazing, right? So we're, we're, we're at Glacier Point. There's no one else there. But the sky is completely clear. And even though it's getting warm and it's happening and everything's happening, it didn't look like anything because it was just a nice, clear day. Sure. It's just this beautiful gradient emerging. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that doesn't photograph well. No, you want um, to have clouds and things to play off of. Yeah. And, yeah. So, you know, there's a picture on our wall at Glacier Point with where it was all clouds and there were some clouds slamming into the front of Half Dome and stuff that I had from our last trip there. And I was looking at the pictures from that morning up there at uh, Glacier Point and looking at the picture behind me and, and kind of saying, wow, the, the, the one with the clouds is 100 times better. And the ones I took, while fine pictures, you know, there's nothing special about them. And that might be one of the reasons why there was no one there at sunrise, because the people who really know who are going to get up at 5 a.m. to get up there for sunrise knew that it was too clear of a day to get any good pictures. Sure. You know, um, it was interesting. And I and, I, and the other thing I did is the so the the Mark three, the Canon 5D Mark three has a built in HDR mode. Um, did any of the Nikon cameras do that? Um, I th- think. I think the 600 does, and I think the 800 does. Okay. okay. I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not a big fan of, of HDR, so I'm probably not the person to ask. Well, here's the thing. A lot of these scenes, so at one point we were down um, on the river 
in the valley at sunset and I was taking pictures of ha- of uh, El Capitan, okay. like from the river. By the way, that new, that Polaroid tripod I got, that $90 tripod. That thing's amazing. You played with it for a minute, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, you, maybe you can put a link in the show notes. This thing is $90. It's carbon fiber, comes with a ball head. Yeah. Now, you know, is it is it the same as a $3,000 Gitzo? No, but it's $90. Yeah, for $90, it's unbelievable. And yeah, it worked, it it worked really great is. for our trip. Like, it worked fantastic. Um, just a little aside. Yeah. Um, so we were there. I was in the river, and I'm taking pictures of El Capitan, which, by the way, when the sun's going down, we're sitting there, and then all of a sudden you start seeing these little fireflies on the rock. Mm. And it's people climbing, putting on their headlamps. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. nope. Jeffrey, they're, they're halfway up, and it's no. getting dark, and they're putting headlamps on <laughs> so they can keep climbing or stake in their little bag that they're hanging yeah. in. Yeah, nope, 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 nope. Yeah, none of that. Won't have anything to do with that. <laughs> um, no. But the, the reason I bring this up is because it, it it's such a dynamic scene between the sky and the 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 shadow in the valley and the highlights of the setting sun on the rock mm-hmm. that you can't capture it in a single frame you know your your 13 stops of dynamic range on these cameras you know supposedly the D800 has you know 14 stops or whatever it is you know Right. Um, maybe the extra stop would make a big difference. Um, I don't think even that might be enough. It's like if you're tr- so the the thing that digital can do that that film couldn't do is this. Well, I guess you could do it with film if you had perfect scans and computers. But one of the things that digital can do is this HDR stuff. Now, you know, for those of you who don't know, I'm just, you basically take multiple exposures, uh, uh, brighter and darker than uh, than a normal exposure quote unquote in the middle. And then the computer can say, Oh, the parts that are blown out in the original, let's go get the ones that was from the darker picture. So we can fill in those areas and the highlights and vice versa for the shadows. Right. So you get this image, which is many ways, a closer approximation to how your eyes are seeing the scene. Normally what you have to do is go take three or five or seven. Some people are crazy about that stuff. uh, Photographs, Bring them into something. Uh, Photoshop does it, or there's a bunch of other plugins that used to do HDR stuff. I've I, I played with it for a while. I'm not a huge fan. Um, and uh, it'll it'll basically merge all of these together for you. It's, it's great. So there's it's now built into the um, the camera. So it basically you you take one shot and it goes chick chick chick, and it takes three shots. And it merges them into a single JPEG that's already HDR'd. Do you have the choice of doing three or five or seven, or is it only three? Only three, I think. You have a choice of how much of a range it's going to do. So Okay, how one, many stops between? Yeah. One yeah. stop plus or minus, two stops plus or minus, or three, or auto, but auto never worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have an option of having it look natural or artistic, and there's like multiple artistic settings, so you get more halos, way sure. more, you know. Sure. Um, the the hardest thing to do in those situations is actually getting the white balance right because stuff's in shadow and stuff's in whatever, so it's too cool, too hot. So, and you can have it actually save the raw files too. So you could have it save the raw files and give you a JPEG, or just give you the JPEG. Now, 
it's not giving you a raw file of the final image. It's just giving you a final JPEG of the final image. Um, and I didn't want to clog up my photo sets with 400 pictures right, right, right. that were all raw. So I, I, when I was playing with that, I did it with just large JPEG. And it worked pretty well. Um, it's a little... Uh, it gets a little halo-y. Um, right. it's, it's a little... From the, the, the shots that you showed me, they're a little heavy-handed. Yeah, they they are, and and they're a little too vibrant and saturated and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but it, I pulled some of them into Lightroom and and lowered their contrast a bit and desaturated them a little bit and brought the blacks up. It's almost as if they didn't it didn't push it all the way to the ends. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, like yeah, where yeah. where where the whole range was from like twenty five to two twenty. You know, like there was there was black shadows and highlights that weren't getting used. It was like was mushed all in the middle. So interesting. If you pushed it to the ends, it looked a lot better. You know, bring the blacks down, um, bring the exposure up and bring the blacks down to sort of widen it out and then then bring the saturation down. And they look they look pretty nice. Um, Is there any difference between. Well, you probably didn't save. Well, you, didn't, you said you didn't save the raw files. I was going to say, is there any difference between doing the auto kind of. HDR or just saving out bracketed exposures, bring them in and seeing how that works. Well, I, you know, I um, took some pictures, just raw, straight images as well. Mm-hmm. And it, the scenes barely fit into the dynamic range of the camera. You know, okay. so like sometimes the sky was a little too blown out to even recover. Um, and if it wasn't, then the, 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 the shadows were really noisy, you know, because it was mm-hmm. so dark. Um, and what are you shooting at ISO wise here? Uh, well, whatever I could, but I mean, uh, 160 if I could, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. low if I could, um, although it gets dark in the trees a lot of times, you know, um, so, so we're in the river. We, t- I use this HDR mode, which I hadn't used before, but the problem is, is that I don't know if it's the same with Nikons, but the image quality of JPEGs out of the camera is not quite as good as even at the high settings mm-hmm. is not quite as good as you would get from raw. And from, I mean this from a point of view of like per pixel sharpness and that kind of thing. Sure. It's a little bit softer. Um, than what you would get saving out of Lightroom. Yeah. That if, yeah, then if sure. I had had the raw file and, and did it just even my normal settings in Lightroom. Um, I, I find that easy to believe. Sure. Right. So I did that, which was fine. So I took a lot of these pictures in HDR. Had I to do over again, I probably would have done less like that or maybe would have used the save the raw files as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I only shot 400 pictures on the trip. I didn't take a lot of pictures in Yosemite or, or total total. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't take a ton of pictures. Um, you know, they, they used to do this thing in Yosemite and my, and my parents told me about this cause they had, they had seen it once or twice, uh, called Firefall. Yeah. You know what this, you've yeah. seen this? I've, I've know of it. I've obviously haven't seen they, it. They, they it went the there and saw it. Yeah. Uh, and said it was just amazing. You know, they yeah. pushed this big bonfire. They used to from the top of, I think it was Nevada fall. They would push this bonfire over the falls and yeah. you'd see this shower of, of fire and sparks. You know, yeah. it was pretty probably cool. pretty amazing. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, like you were saying uh, back in you know E two or E three when you were we were talking about your trip to Yosemite last year, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to do because all of these things have been shot before, and they've yes. been shot before by people who are either you know sort of going back to that Gary Yost thing where you're filming the weather. The people who could be there for a month 
Right. And wait for exactly the right conditions to take the right. picture of and Half there, Dome. There, there may be thousands of photographs that they shot yeah. to get to that singularly beautiful yep. exposure. And, and thousands of hours they might have spent around there doing it. I Sure. I just don't have that patience. You know, right. if I'm at, if I'm at uh, uh, looking at El Cap during sunset and the light isn't right, I'm not coming back tomorrow. Right, right, you know? right, right. Um, well, it's like it's like the uh, you know the the, the 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 running joke of how long do you have to stand on the rim of the Grand Canyon? Yeah, you know, yeah. How 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 long is enough respect to pay this you know, before yeah. you can move on to the next thing? For, for me, it's it's a pretty long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the yeah. Grand Canyon, but you know, your point taken, right? Yeah. Um, so it it you know I have pictures which are fine pictures, and when you go to every single hotel in the area, there's some photographer selling prints. Sure, and their pictures are no better than my pictures most of the time, you know, like some of them are incredible, but then some of them are like, eh, that guy's not really good. But now you're, you're saying that, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're saying that you don't have that, that kind of connection to taking photographs at Yosemite as you would be, as you would have taking a portrait. Is that landscape in general, just Yosemite? Is it the connection to, to other people? Is that what's missing from landscape photography for you? When I take pictures, I think we can make it more general and say travel photography for me. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, when I'm traveling, I have I have dual motives. I want to take pictures that are going to remember the trip, but then I also have this fantasy that I'm going to take the picture of whatever right. it is I'm looking at. The Nat Geo cover for the right. next. Yeah. yeah. Um, it rarely. I've taken nice pictures, landscapes. Um, uh, I mean, I've taken perfectly competent pictures of landscapes. I don't uh, have all the equipment that you need to take the kind of pictures of landscapes that a lot of picture people take. For example, uh, I had a tripod this time, which is like a big change for me because I don't usually carry a tripod. Every all landscape people use tripods. Yeah, well, I think I think Bill was quoted in what is it E twenty two of tripods are for wussies. Yes, tripods <laughs> are for wussies. Um, but there I was with a tripod, right? Um, I also don't have lots of really wide angle lenses. The, I, I wish all I brought with me was a 51.4, a 28.18 and my 24 to 105 zoom. So any filters, ND grads, it's funny. I have a circular polarizer, Mm -hmm. um, forgot it. Nice. <laughs> also forgot the little remote control thing I bought so that we could take pictures. Oh, the, of the two no of us. way. The brand new one that you just got. Yeah. So, uh, I, so I ended up having to, um, you know, use a timer whenever I wanted to take a picture of the two of us. Um, sure. You know, yeah, I, I have this fantasy that I'm going to take the best pictures. And then when I don't, I feel like I suck as a photographer. But I think that that is, I think that that's the case with a lot of people. I think there's a split between people who go to a place like Yosemite and take pictures between the people who think they're taking amazing pictures because they're looking at amazing things and it's hard to take a bad picture of them. Right. Right. And then the people who are on the other side who are just like, wow, my stuff's not as good as Ansel Adams or whoever else. Right. You know, I'm sort of, and that's the way we approached it is I'm, I'm never going to get the, the Ansel Adams, you know, iconic photograph of this. So I'm going to shoot it the way I see it. Right. And the way I see it is the details. Right. And, and that, that is a perfectly reasonable way of doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I, I have, I'm, I don't know, I have more grandiose visions about my vision, but I, I don't think that it lives up to my dreams, you know? Sure. 
Um, so we spent a few days. Yeah. So we spent a couple of days in Yosemite and, and, and went around and did all that kind of stuff. Um, Yosemite is good, but again, I think I'm quite, I'm, I think I might be done, you know, maybe um, you go Zion next time. Been to Zion. Yeah. But, but it's, you know, Zion's nice. I want to, I want to go up the, uh, slot Canyon, you know, the, oh, the uh-huh. yeah, the, the, uh, what, uh, what do they call it? The hike up the narrows, the narrows. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, I want to do that next time although that's a serious hike that's yeah that's hardcore you need specific gear for that yeah okay well see that's the thing with the photography even if you were a serious landscape photographer you have graduated neutral density filters you know Mm -hmm. to darken skies you have circular polarizers you have really wide angle primes you have um you know uh much fancier tripods and ball heads than i do so the thing is locked down it's not moving a pixel when it's doing multiple exposures you know, rubber you, pants. You have rubber rubber pants? <laughs> sure, if you're going to wade around, right? Oh, I see, in, in the river. Yeah, you yeah. have rubber pants. Uh, <laughs> I had no rubber pants. I was walking with my only <laughs> pair of boots on rocks in the middle of the river. I had my tripod on three rocks in the middle of the Merced River. That's probably a good from idea. From rock hopping. What could happen? What could possibly go wrong? Um, but it worked out fine, right? So, so it's probably a good thing that you didn't have your remote because you may have been tempted to go stand 20 feet away from your camera. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there were a couple of times when I like left it there and went to go grab something else. And yeah. I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm way too far away to catch that if that falls. <laughs> Living dangerously, Jeffrey. Yeah. Yeah. Living on the edge. Um, so, so we leave, we leave Yosemite and we go down to Fresno. Which is a lovely place this time of year. Now, I, I hope none of our listeners live in Fresno. Because um, the places that we were in Fresno were pretty terrifying. Yeah, it was scary. You, you called me a couple times to we, tell me to recount some of the stories. <laughs> we stayed at a very nice, actually, Holiday Inn downtown, which was like right... Apparently, there's some sort of outside shopping mall area in Fresno. It's sort of like an outside mall that was built... Heather, when was that built? 50s, 60s? No, no, way earlier than that. Okay. 60s earlier. Apparently, okay. Yeah, apparently it's an old mall, and then they rehabbed it uh, a while back. But then with the downturn, all the stores kind of closed. Right. So now it's just this basically this empty strip of nothing, walking pedestrian traffic, but there's no stores, and no one goes in there except for like homeless people who set up shop. And it's like blocks of it. Um, and this was right behind our hotel. Um, which, which is just kind of crazy. So th- that's where we had in and out burger. So we drove out to the in and out burger I found on, uh, the maps, by the way, little aside, I had upgraded my phone to iOS six. Yeah. Heather, You're loving the Apple maps, aren't you? Heather had not. <laughs> I cannot tell you the number of times that Apple maps got things wrong. <laughs> not just wrong, but like really wrong. Incredibly like wrong. Roads yeah. not showing up locations wrong uh directions bad it was it was it got to the point where i didn't even bother opening up my maps unless i was double checking them on google maps on heather's phone it was bad Uh, they're they're working on that it told me that there was a starbucks in a residential neighborhood in pasadena (laughs) swear to god we drove to this block there was just somebody that goes to starbucks who lived in that neighborhood we were we were on the street of all houses and i was like heather there's supposed to be a starbucks there and a subway over there (laughs) And you looked the dot on the map and the things. It, it, yeah, it was embarrassing. Um, <laughs> useless to the point where I tried to downgrade to iOS today, iOS 5. And apparently you can't do that easily. 
Uh, no, you can't. Uh, if Apple has their way, you can't do it at all. Unless you saved the blobs from. Yes. What the heck are these free- blobs? Uh, okay, we ne- don't need to get into it. data. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, that's another show. Anyway, very upsetting to me because it was really bad. Um, so we go down. Yeah. So we find the In-N-Out Burger on Heather's phone, Google Maps, and uh, drive out there. And it's kind of pain in the neck to get out to southeast of town. And we're driving back. And the stop we the exit we get off like drives through a couple blocks of literally a tent city, like like a shanty town, right? Like like something out of the depression, you know. Um, uh, get uh, uh, trash cans on fire, uh, you know, tarp tents, broken wow. glass in the road. Wow, it was it was like I was in a war zone, like third world nation. I was like, this is insane. Right. Right. Where, where are we? We're in Fresno. Yeah. Uh, and then we try, so we're driving, we're driving home and we, we try to pull into the parking lot, a parking garage, which goes underneath the building that the, uh, Holiday Inn is in. And there's a truck with a roof rack stuck, like wedged in because they were too <laughs> tall to fit into the little, you know, and the guys outside the truck, like waving us back, like, no, don't come down here. We're stuck. Okay. So this had just obviously just happened. Not, not moments before you got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He was like, and stuck, stuck. Like it was like they weren't backing up. It was stuck. So we back up and we go inside and we're like, is there another way into this garage? Because, you know, these trucks are there, blah, blah, blah. And we can't park our car in the street because this is like war zone, right? Right, 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 right. So we, um, she's like, oh yeah, if you go across the street, across the way, there's another entrance on the other side. So we go, we find it, we pull down the entrance and we're coming around the corner and there's this man and this woman the a woman pushing a man in a wheelchair and just as we're coming around the corner she's helping him stand up to walk into the way of our car <laughs> not kidding like dead serious they were trying to set us up so that we hit them on purpose all right but this is the best part then what happened so as they see you so we stop the car like i'm like er, like 10 feet before them and they sit back down as if it was like, oh, boy, that was close. Yeah. Reset. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and apparently, I didn't see this, but Heather says both of them then hold out their hands for change. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like a show. It, it, was, it, it, was it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was dinner and a show yeah. right there. You had so, your In-N-Out burger. So we, so we go inside and we're like, you know, we're staying in until tomorrow morning because there's zombies yeah. outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's the scene from Big when Tom Hanks first gets to the city. That's, that's you. exactly what it was like. And I live in New York City for 15 years. Um, uh, classic. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was shady. Anyway, Fresno. So we stop in Fresno because Fresno is on its way to Sequoia. Right. Um, you've been to Sequoia, right? Yes. Um, I had never been, but I am a huge fan of the big trees. So I was very excited to go to Sequoia. In some ways, I was more excited to go to Sequoia than Yosemite because I'd already been to Yosemite, right? Right. Um, and, and, and for those of you who've never been, these trees aren't just big. Yeah. Right? Th- these trees are – they're enormous. They're, yeah. they're, they're gargantuan. I, I, sent you, I sent you a picture. Did you get it? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, they're they're frighteningly large in a way that kind of makes you uncomfortable because they're so big you feel like there's going to be a T Rex coming around the corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they, they they don't make sense in your reality. Right, they're so big. They're kind of just like, wait, is that photoshopped? And you're like, no, that's my eyes looking right, right. at that actual. Scene. Well, and then yeah. you then you have to think, 
how long did it take them to get this big? And in some cases, it's hundreds of years. In some cases, it's thousands of years. Yeah, yeah. 2,500 years old, some of these trees. Now, Heather and I have been up in the White Mountains and seen the bristlecone pines, which are 4,500 years old, which is mm-hmm. a whole other... They look at the sequoias and they're like, oh, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, look at them. They're yeah, cute. They're so cute. Um, <laughs> so so we, we drive up into Kings Canyon and Sequoia and... Uh, we're, we're, I won't bore you with all the details, but we're, you know, hanging out on these trees and they're also impossibly large to photograph getting back to the photography stuff. Yeah. Um, they're, they're so tall. These things are hundreds of feet tall and they're so big that you have to back up so far to get them in unless you're right underneath them with a super wide angle lens, in which case you kind of lose sense of it anyway, because it's so distorted. Right. Um, and in some of these places, uh, especially like the General Sherman tree, which is the biggest of the big uh, by volume, I think it's the largest tree in the world that we know of. And it, it you can there are places where you can go 300 feet away and take pictures of it, sort of like um, a vantage point, you know. Right, right. But even then at 24 millimeters on my full frame camera, I could barely get the tree in. You right. Know? Um and the sky is really bright and you're underneath these trees. So it's really dark. So then you have the whole contrast issue again, you know? So I did some of the HDR things or whatever it is. And then you can't even tell how big these trees are unless there's somebody standing right next to them because right. otherwise you have just no sense of scale right? or a car or, you know, something yeah. to provide. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, and, and isn't it, what's the one tree that you can drive through? Well, there's, uh, there are a number of trees that you can drive through. Although there's, yeah, there's one that got knocked over that they cut a hole through that you can drive right. through. I have pictures of us. Yeah. We parked under that and took some pictures. Um, but, it, but it was, it was frustrating from a photographic point of view because there was nothing I could do. I felt, I felt like my skills weren't up to the job. Hmm. When in reality, I think it's just the job is a really difficult one. Right. And well, and it's different than what you're used to. Yes. Right. Yeah. You've made a career out of out of Controlling one type, light. <laughs> sure. One yeah. type of photography. Right. You know, and I, I think that's, you know, one of the things that we've talked about with even on the show, like specifically with Nikki is uh, she's of the opinion that she's shot everything that she's able to shoot here where right. we live. Yeah. You know, but then you go to some place, you know like to your point, your trip, and you, you feel like you've, you've, you've not got the tools to get the job done. True. Yeah. The creative tools. I'm not talking about the gear. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's just a whole, you, you feel like it's a whole sensibility that you, maybe you just haven't exercised yet. Right. You right. Know? And looking at other people's work in a similar vein, a lot of times then you just start copying their work, you know, mm-hmm. instead of trying to do something yourself. And again, in, in my situation, it's it's a lot more uh, where I'm trying to record the trip than it is me trying to uh, make something that special. Right. You're in more of documentary mode, not making an artistic statement. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it you know it was it was it was interesting, but yet frustrating. And then you're in a park where these things take hours to drive between sometimes. Sure. So you're in a situation where. You know, you may only be able to be at the Sherman tree at one o'clock in the afternoon. Right. Which is the absolute worst time to be taking pictures, you know. Um, so a great you, deal of planning needs you, to go into these places. Yeah, a lot of planning. And the people who are doing it for real, I mean, they're taking a lot of time. They're taking multiple right. days where 
some days they're just not doing anything or they're getting up and shooting in the morning and then going and taking a nap and shooting in the evening and you right. know, that kind of thing. Cause the middle of the days in a lot of these parks, even Yosemite in the middle of the day, that sun comes down so hot and bright and fierce. Um, that Heather and I found ourselves just sort of like wanting to hole up somewhere for a few right. hours in the middle of the day. Uh, and then, you know, get back on it as, as it starts cooling down. Um, yeah, it, it was interesting um, and, and a little tough. But uh, why don't we take a break and, and do, a, do a, a sponsor? Yeah, definitely. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Squarespace. Ooh, because Squarespace. I, you've been playing with this more than I have. They've got it, first of all, they've got a brand new version. Uh, is six, 6 is out now, right? Yeah, Squarespace 6. Okay, so Squarespace 6. So new, new series of templates, yep. which are very clean. I'm a big fan of... of uh, grid-based design, very clean design, and Squarespace have nailed it with these yep. new templates. They are really fantastic. And they're responsive, too. Yeah, they're so, responsive. So they so, go all the way down to a phone, and everything right. just kind of fits. We love that. Uh, you, author your site once, deploy it on many devices. This yep. is good. This yeah. is a good thing. Uh, drag and drop everything. So you're dragging yep. and dropping images into posts and, and, and that kind of thing, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and then they have crazy social media integration. So you can put your Twitter and, and all that kind of stuff and Facebook and people can push stuff out from your site and you could actually, right. that stuff's fantastic. It'll even like auto post when you post and that kind of stuff. Um, it, you know, it, you can even do, uh, one of the tools that I found really great is, uh, dragging and dropping. You can drag and drop in a, an Amazon item. And you can do a yeah, search this right there. Really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So let's say you know there's some Ansel Adams book because we'll do Ansel Adams for today's uh, since in fitting with the Yosemite. We'll do Ansel sure. Adams for today's photographer of the week. Okay. And you can put some Ansel Adams book in, and it automatically adds your Amazon affiliate code to the post, and you can search right inside of there, and it does all the work for you. It's fantastic. Right. Um, but uh, you know, so I got, I talked to these guys a couple weeks ago and the reason why we started doing this, uh, was because we had that question three weeks ago or so about websites. Right. Uh, what was the guy on, what was he using? Uh, oh, Shutterstock? Uh, Sna- no, I, Snaps. No, I don't remember now what he was using. Right. But uh, whatever it was, we'll it was not, it. it was not doing the job. Right. Uh, it was, and, and a lot of these solutions, um, are not really geared toward novices or people that aren't doing this for a living. No. Right. Well, you know, and, I mean, and if they are, they don't look good enough and they're not, they're not modern enough. A lot right. of these tools are so antiquated now in, in, in their design and in their uh, usability and in their uh, overall technology that's behind them, especially with this sort of social media integration and drag and right. drop and all this kind of stuff. Um, that that things you know squarespace tools make that look kind of antiquated right um yeah and in fact what we're going to do is uh, you, do you want to do this with the, we should do this right with the with the screencast yeah you're going to do a screencast yeah i'm i'm going to do a screencast of starting from scratch hitting the squarespace site and creating an account from scratch to show you how easy it is to use yep. these tools uh they'll give you a, a two was it two week trial for free yeah i think so Two-week trial, uh, and you don't even have to put in a credit card. You can just you enter your email address, uh, choose your name, uh, set a password, and, and start creating your site. And yep. it's it, literally just a few minutes you can be up and running with one of these beautiful templates. Yeah, they're, they're really nice. And, and they actually give us – we have a, an offer for our listeners. 
you purchase a full year, the account started just $8 a month, which is way less than the other guys for so much more. Um, you know, go try it out. And if you like it and you buy a year, uh, you can get 10% off using OTP 10. So 10 is, is October. So OTP on taking pictures, 10 right. uh, is the code. We'll give you a 10% discount. Um, my current on taking pictures website is on WordPress, right? This is a whole other ball of wax. And one of the great things about Squarespace is because it's both a content management system and hosting like together, they're worrying about all the stuff in the back end, right? You know, their updates and security fixes and all that. Kind of, it's all they're taking care of. And one of the things they do is they allow you to pull content from other blogs, from WordPress and movable type and Tumblr, I think. Um, and so one of the things that, that you can do is you can pull this content from your blog and, you know, publish it out and it can publish out to the social networks and that kind of thing. But I had it import on taking pictures, which is a pretty big uh, site now it's, I don't know, 1200 posts, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I point it towards on taking pictures and you give it the username and password and it chugs and it, it like, you know, a few minutes later, you can then just add that blog into your site, just like drag and drop it. It basically turns it in. It adds a blog module and populates it with all the stuff from your import and it's just there and you can drag and drop it up onto your site and it's amazing and it worked perfect. And you and I, we, we talked a little bit about trying to figure out how, how do they do this? I mean, yeah, it's amazing. You know, we're pretty versed in this kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I'm looking at this going, there's some wizardry going on here because they're, they're grabbing links. They're grabbing images. They're grabbing all the content. It's yeah. formatted correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I, and it, I'll, I'll tell you, I had a, a little snag because of the way that I had my WordPress uh, setup set up and it was it's because I was doing things more stuff by hand than your average person would ever do. Right. Right. Um, but I, I contacted Squarespace on their support. They have like live support people that'll chat with you. And uh, somebody was on in 30 seconds and I had answers in 30 seconds. You know, I was, I was off the thing in two minutes and had answers. It was amazing. And, and how much, how much did that support call cost you? Uh, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So this was that, I mean, the, you know, so it's fantastic and it's 24 hour customer support. So, you know, and you, and with a, with a, when you sign up, you can actually get a uh, free domain name when you sign up for a year. So it's, it's, they're pretty great. So if you're looking for an option that is, uh, more than just like hosting a few images, you want it to look amazing. You want it to be easy. You, you want it to, the, the templates to look fantastic. You want it to scale down to your phone. Um, Squarespace is a fantastic option. Um, and, and we are proud to have them, uh, as one of our sponsors. Yeah. Good stuff. So OTP 10 gives you 10% off, uh, give it a shot. Squarespace.com. Anything else? No, I'm good. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move on. So, okay. So we're in Sequoia, we're taking pictures and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it gets to the point where you almost don't want to take pictures anymore. Heather, the whole time is taking pictures on her phone. You know, and some of her pictures are better than my pictures. She's she's beaming on the other side of the room right now because <laughs> we got we got home so late last night. She's just like, I'm just going to, you know, relax yeah, today. Whatever. I'm um, just sitting here. And and um, it's true, though, man, the things you can do with a phone. I mean, when we were in San Francisco with Gary, we went up to the top of Mount Tam and Gary was taking pictures. He's got one of the new iPhone fives. Right. Mm hmm. Um, 
and he was, he was, you know, doing stuff with the panoramas and whatever it is. And it's like, you know, for a lot of this stuff, if you're not planning on making giant prints and you're just taking a picture, it's fine. You know, if, absolutely. If, if you're, if you're planning on actually trying to get the shot of, uh, the general Sherman tree that you're going to blow up to 30 by 40, then the iPhone's not for you, but you know, it's amazing for just general sort of walk around remember this trip photography the phones are now good enough oh yeah it's kind of crazy that way did i send you the uh mosaic yeah okay yeah so what so this is a a company that allows you to make books straight from the phone straight from the okay it's a company called mosaic if you go to heymosaic.com you can you can sign up to be notified and basically what they're doing is they're creating an app that uh, is is allowing you to create a book, a photo book, right on your iPhone, and they will send you. They're claiming within four days a printed book for twenty bucks. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you don't even have to own a printer if you don't want to anymore. Just yeah. you know, go go take a little body of work, um, make yourself a little photo book or for a gift or something. Yep. I mean. $20, no brainer. And it's kind of a neat idea from the point of view of, uh, just, you know, getting things on print, getting them out of your phone and out of the cloud and into reality. I can't uh, wait to try this thing. You should try. I, I hope that the print quality is good. I hope it is too. I, but I was very excited to see this. So they, they, sh- they say they're going to be launching imminently, whatever that means. Um, but we'll, we'll definitely give it a shot and, and see how it turns out. Cause you know, we, we talk about this at length, the importance of prints and, yep. and I am still on the side of printing is important. Uh, I, I, I am as well. Uh, you know, but you know what? The other thing we did on our trip a lot was take videos, little videos. Mm-hmm. Somehow, even if it's a little video of, you know, you talking to the camera and pointing it at somebody else and looking right. over the season. I'm not a fan of the people who are holding a video camera every time they walk into a new place. Like, oh, look, we're in this cathedral. I'm going to pan around with my video camera. Right. Who's ever going to watch that? Right. But a 10 second video of Heather and I at the top of uh, Glacier Point alone in the morning as the sun rises just as a, hey, it's October 30th and we're up here at Glacier Point and, you know. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool because you could watch that five years later and be like, look, it's us young at Glacier right, Point. Right, right, right. You know, before we started getting, you know, see, I was going to make a joke about you, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to hold back. Your restraint is admirable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so so we took the big tree pictures, which are amazing. I, I, You know, I... Seeing those big trees is almost as good as Yosemite. It was really, yeah. I was really impressed. Uh, my grandparents used to live in Crescent City, okay. which is one of the last towns in California before you hit Oregon. Okay. Uh, and in fact, it's where they filmed Return of the Jedi in the forest right across from where they lived. Wow, that's and cool. And amazing. Absolutely amazing. So you've got this beautiful coastline on one side, and we used to go crab fishing with my grandfather, uh, and their crab potting, I guess, is the correct term. Uh, and then on the other side, you've got these amazing redwoods. Okay. Uh, just beautiful, though. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And, and it, I don't know. There's just something about them that – you know what it is? It's the difference between – Yosemite is sort of uh, – I'm going to get beat up for saying this. Yosemite is gorgeous but dead. Does that make sense? No. Nope. I guess what I mean is that a that lot was Bill that said that, not me. <laughs> it's it's alive in the sense that you know there's the waterfalls and there's you know trees and stuff, but the stuff that you're there to see is billion year old granite. Sure, 
where the stuff you're there to see at Sequoia is living things. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that that was very different feeling. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, Sure. In that context, I mean, I I still, I don't agree. I love Yosemite. I would go to Yosemite every year for the rest of my life. Yosemite is top five places in the world for me. I'm just saying that like on this trip, there's a palpable difference in those two parks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though there are Sequoia in Yosemite, the Mariposa Grove is nothing compared to Sequoia National Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, just an overall, like, just grandeur. Uh, it, if I didn't hate being cold so much, I would really love to see Yosemite in the, in the winter. Yeah. 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 But I abhor being cold. I yeah, can't stand me it. Me too. You know what else we did? We went to a cave at Sequoia. There's a crystal cave. Um, okay. You can go on this tour. You hike down a half mile down this hill and you get this tour. Um, and it was pretty cool going through this cave. And they do that thing where they shut the lights off in the cave. You ever have that? So it's just dark? It's complete, like, not just dark, Jeffrey. It is like the, abs- the absence of light. <laughs> wow. See, that would kind of freak me out a little. Yeah, no, it was it was disturbing. It was like, here, have a seat. I'm going to turn off the click. Yeah, no. And you, I mean, you put your hand in front of your face and you shake it and you see nothing. Yeah, no. No, no. no. Yeah. But it's weird because there's very few situations now where you're actually in devoid of light, you know? Was, was it like stalactites and stalagmites oh yeah yeah yeah. it was beautiful um the other thing we did was we went outside and shot the stars one of the nights in sequoia Mm -hmm. i was hoping to get one of those nights where it was just all milky way yeah um and the the night that we did it was was good but not amazing you know that's the kind of thing where you just sort of you get it or you don't you know what i'm saying sure 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 um it's uh it's 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 there there's another luck of the draw kind of thing right uh, anyway, what, what are the, uh, did I ever tell you that our caverns story, the, uh, Carlsbad caverns? No, I've never been. Is it amazing? I don't know. I've never been. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in, okay. So here in college, I, I hesitate even sharing this, but whatever. Uh, it's nothing that you haven't made fun of me about already on some other level. Uh, so in college we decide in the 1890s. Uh, <laughs> We load up the mule and we decide we're going to go. <laughs> yeah, no, we decide we're going to go to uh, 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 Carlsbad Caverns, right? Yeah. Um, so my, my my then girlfriend and I we we drive uh, down to uh, Carlsbad in California. Okay. And uh, you know, down by by San Diego, and we're we're driving, and I didn't see anything on the map, and I pull into this gas station, and I'm like. Hey, are we close to the caverns? Oh. And the, and the guy's like, the what? And like, the caverns. You thought they were in California. Wait, wait, wait just wait, just wait. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's like, I, I'm sorry. I, don't, I, I can't help you, man. I don't know. So I go back in the car. She's like, you know, are we close? And I'm like, no, he doesn't even know where they are. So, well, you know, whatever. We'll go somewhere. This guy's an idiot. Right? So we go somewhere else. <laughs> and I, same thing. I'm like, hey, you know, I asked this other gas station, and I didn't, you know, are we close to the caverns? And the guy's like, the what? I'm like the caverns, the Carlsbad caverns. He's like, you mean the ones in Carlsbad, New Mexico? (laughs) (laughs) So so I sheepishly go back out to the car and, you know, are we close? And I said, well, it turns out there's a Carlsbad in New Mexico. (laughs) Turns out we have a 28-hour drive ahead of us. I was like, you're just, she's like, you're such an idiot. (laughs) So we, you know, we went to the zoo and, and that was it. But 
Yeah. I, yeah, I want to go to Carlsbad, but that's way in the middle of nowhere. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I, I looked at a map finally and went, eh, no, we're not going there. Yeah. Although White Sands is also out there and, and, and Roswell, there's some neat stuff out there. It's just a lot. That's a lot of driving. That's a lot. Um, yeah, that is a lot. But, you know, and then it was coming out of there, going down these, uh, um, uh, crazy mountain roads, right? You know, the, the switchbacks and sure. that stuff for miles and miles and miles. But we come around the corner and they were doing construction because this is the part of the year before it snows, but after the park's really busy where they can do construction, which meant that every once in a while we had to sit and stop for an hour while they do work. And do you get out and shoot? Well, so we stop at this, this guy's holding this thing up. His name was Burn. He called himself Big Burn. Big Burn. Big sure. Burn. And Burn lived in this town uh, southwest of Sequoia and used to dr- had to drive up two and a half hours up mountain roads to get to work each day. That would he, suck. Yeah, but he loves his job. Yeah. So I mean, look, where, look at your office. Right? Well, that's the thing, right? So he's there and I stopped the car and I said, well, you know, do I have time to go take some pictures in the woods? Because literally where we stopped, there were a dozen giant Sequoias within 150 feet, you know. Um, and I, and so we got out of the car and, you know, it turned out the people behind us are people we saw up on Morrow rock the night before and, and all this kind of stuff. And we went into the woods and we were taking pictures and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, how do you, you know, do you ever just sit here and stare? Do you get, are you bored of them yet? And he's like, no, he's like, I grew up around here. And sometimes when there's no cars around, I just stand here and stare up at them. And I was like, see, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because you could imagine that we asked all the people outside of Yosemite at all the restaurants and hotels and stuff. I said, how often do you go into the park? And they're 15 miles away from the valley. I would I would assume before you even answer, probably not very much. Yeah, not very much. One guy said he hasn't been in two years. And you're 15 minutes away. 15 minutes away from the one of the most beautiful places on earth. Wow. Um, well, but I mean, it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying of, of you, you get, you get so used to yeah. your routine yep. that, you know, you can't see the forest. <laughs> well, yeah, quite literally, you can't see the forest for the trees or the giant granite outcroppings for the yeah, yeah. rocks. Um, but I mean, don't you think it's important as a, I mean, beyond getting away as a, as a person and just getting out of your own comfort zones and things like that, as a photographer, as an artist, don't you think it's important to get out of what you know to kind of recharge you to come back to it? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the um, one of the sort of themes of the trip, because we, we were listening to Tom Waits the whole time. Mm-hmm. And there's this <laughs> yeah. walking in the rain. <laughs> <coughs> excuse me. Um, <laughs> oh, excuse, excuse me. Um <laughs> So we're listening to Tom Waits the whole time. And there's a Tom Waits song on one of those first records where he's basically like, you know, I, I didn't see the East coast until I moved to the West. And I forget what the exact lines are, but, but, but that's the gist of it, right? Like that Mm -hmm. until, until you go see something different, you don't know what you're seeing all the time. If that makes sense. Right. Sure. Um, and in fact, so we, we leave Sequoia and we're headed out, we head out towards Santa Barbara and the next day we were in Santa Barbara and we went to the Santa Barbara art museum. Is that what it's called? Santa Barbara. I don't know what the official name is. It's something to that effect. Sure. And we went in and, you know, we paid and we walked around and there was some really beautiful stuff there. Um, But in comparison with the world-class museums of New York, say, it's, you know, a small art museum. 
Sure. You know? Well, I mean, you can't. Come on. Right. It's a, it's no, a sleepy, I, I, you know, coastal town. No, I, I, I'm not. I'm not disparaging. It's it's fine for where it is. It's great. Mm-hmm. I guess my point is that you forget that I have access to the Met and MoMA and Guggenheim and sure. Whitney. I could go there today, right now. You yeah. Know? And you, I think sometimes, I don't know, often I forget that that stuff is there or don't take enough advantage of it when it is there. You know, yeah. it, it kind of, by the end of the trip, we were kind of like, let's go home to New York and go on vacation, you know? Right, 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 right. Um, I remember the first time I went into the Met and I mean, it was on a, on a different kind of level. It was, it was very similar to how I felt the first time I went to Yosemite. Yeah. I mean, because it is, it is monstrous. Yeah. I mean, th- th- this is amazing. And coming from an art school background, seeing so many of the things in person that I'd spent my school years studying yeah. was mind numbing. Yeah. And then that's, I mean, you go, you go to the Met, you go to MoMA, you, you go to the Louvre, you go to the Uffizi, you know, you go to, um, uh, the British museum in the London Tate, and yeah, the know? Tate modern or sure. the Tate, uh, uh VNA. Like mm-hmm. you go to these places, these world-class museums and you see stuff that you, you know, yeah, that you've seen a hundred times, you know, and I, look, I've been to the Met 20 times in my life, 25 times. And, uh, I still walk in and haven't seen everything. Sure. You know, it's just overwhelming. Oh, you know, it's kind of interesting. So a few months ago, uh, Heather's sister and niece came to visit and we took Maeve to the natural history museum and Maeve is, how old is Maeve now? Nine? Six? Oh, she's only six. My bad. <laughs> I can't keep track of this stuff. Maeve's six. And, and you Maeve, make fun of me. I know. I'm terrible. <laughs> uh, and one of the things at the Natural History Museum is a slice of a giant sequoia. Okay. Okay. And it's big and it's imposing and it's impressive. And apparently it made Maeve sad because she wants to see the live ones instead of the dead ones. Right. Understandable, right? But sure. still incredible and imposing and huge. And I almost uh, forgot I- that they had one there. Kind of an amazing conclusion for a six-year-old to make. Right. Yeah. It's actually pretty pretty thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. So we're at uh, the General Grant Grove in Kings Canyon, and we're walking around, and there's a label there, and it says, this is the stump of the XYZ tree, parts of which are in the Museum of Natural History in New York City. Nice. And I'm like, wow, we're looking at the stump of the tree that we've seen in the Museum of Natural History in New York. Nice. It was pretty great. Um that we saw like both ends of it as it were, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, uh, it, well, and it's important to get out and see those things. I mean, it's important to see the things where you live. Chances are most people that are listening to the show live near, or at least relatively near a gallery or a museum yep. of some sort. Um, and how often do they go? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm 30 minutes away from LACMA and, you know, Museum of Modern Art and the Getty. Geffen and the Getty. Yeah, yeah, both Gettys. How often do you go to the Getty? Uh, a couple times a year. Okay. See, that's, see, that's probably how we do the Met. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's probably a lot of people out there who don't go at all. Right. Uh, we, didn't, we were going to go to Lachman yesterday, but we didn't quite get over there. Um, we ended up down by the USS Iowa and Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Queen Mary is down there yep. too. Sure. Yeah, the Spruce Goose used to be there. Oh, but the, where's that now? Oregon uh, in, in boxes in Oregon. Right. Yeah. I don't even think they've reassembled it. I think oh, it's so still that's where the Spruce Goose used to be. 
Yeah, that big dome that's just that's to where the it south. used to be. Yeah, it used to be inside that dome. Oh, Heather, the dome in Long Beach is where the Spruce Goose used to be. The big, yeah, it was the big amazing aer- wooden airplane that uh, what's his name made? Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Le- Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> that Leonardo DiCaprio flew. Um, I, see, I was wondering what that. We were wondering what that big dome was. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Um, so all in all, then we got down to, to LA and, you know, saw you guys, which was delightful and saw our friends, it was fun. Yep. but being in the city and being in the country, it's such a weird dichotomy on a trip like that. You're in San Francisco, you go out to the middle of nowhere then you come back to LA right? and it's like, Whoa. Well, and you're so, you're from such a compact area. Uh, the driving in LA, I mean, the, the length of time that it takes to get anywhere in LA is yeah. astonishing. Yeah. And it may take just as long to get places in New York City. You just don't have to be thinking about it because you're on the subway and talking to somebody else or listening sure. to your podcast or whatever. Sure. The driving and having to deal with other drivers and that kind of stuff. For somebody like me who drives and is a fine driver but doesn't like driving, mm-hmm. it's it's very stressful. Um, in, and then driving those back mountain roads, ugh, I get my I get sick just even thinking about them. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're going 45 miles an hour down these roads that are just switchbacks. And you're just like, at a certain point, your inner ear is just like, wait, where are you going? What direction? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. All in all, a great, a great trip. But I, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, put uh, a bunch of 10 or 12 pictures up on the blog. And I'll oh, put yeah. that up tonight. So by the time anybody's listening to this, you can probably go to ontakingpictures.com and see a bunch of pictures. Um from the trip and it, you know, it was, it was fun and it was fine and it was a good time, but it really does sort of bring you back to, uh, what you're, you know, noticing where you are and appreciating where you are by going away, you know? Um, and I talked to Nikki about that the other day. I said, you know, her whole thing about feeling like she shot everything in her area, in your area, Mm -hmm. um, which is like, you know, it might be true, but it might not, you know? Maybe maybe there's 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 stuff you just haven't seen because you're not looking at it the right way, you know. Right, right. You guys need to go up into the into the snow or something. Well, and that's you know that's that's kind of the the thing about uh, California that when you know people comment on what it's like to live in California, like well, you've got the desert, and you've got the ocean, you've yeah, got the Fresno, you got Fresno, <laughs> <laughs> you've got Tent City. <laughs> Uh, but you really do have a lot of, we have a lot of things, a lot yeah. of different types of environments within an hour and a half, any direction, yep. let's say Yep. that we more often than not, uh, don't take advantage of. And I would imagine that a lot of people out there listening are in a very similar situation. You, you get into a routine, you get into, um, a comfort zone yep. and, and you find that you don't leave it. Uh, there's a, one, an author and a photographer named Stuart Sapigil. Uh, wrote a book for uh, an ebook for Craft and Vision called Close to Home, and one of the exercises that he uh, has in this book is is called a one mile project. And basically, you, you you look at a Google map of your or a print map if you've got one of your house. Um, don't use Apple Maps, or you might end up in Carlsbad, California. <laughs> That's right. Uh, no, you look at a at a, a map of your house, and you you draw a, a one mile circle around your house and for a week or a month or, or however long you feel like, you know, pursuing it, only shoot within that one mile, right. force yourself to only go within that one mile. And, and it is actually amazing. We, Nikki and I both did this. It's amazing what you do see if you, if you force yourself to say, look, I'm going to look for something interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to force myself to try and see something interesting 
within this this you know one mile radius. Sure. You know, one of the things that I was fun watching, and I, it's it works in reverse too. But going out of San Francisco, you're driving east, you're going through like Livermore and that kind of stuff. Sure. And you go from a four lane highway to a three lane highway to a two lane highway to a one lane highway to a mountain road. And it's kind of fun watching that like shrink down, like you're getting mm-hmm. you're getting culled into up into the mountains. It's it's fun watching right. the roads get smaller and more run down, you know. Right, and it's um, almost like they're they're preparing you for what lies ahead. Yeah, and it's the same thing going back out. You know, you're on this mountain road, and then two hours later, you're on this four lane highway with In and Out Burgers. You know, um, well, didn't you guys come down? You came down the five too, didn't you? No, we went down forty seven, like one of those little roads. Okay. You know, okay. One of those little state highways, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which, you know, in California is not really a little state highway. Right. Because um, we we wanted to stay off the five. So we went straight out from Sequoia all the way out to Santa Barbara. Ah, okay. Um, it was, you know, it was really nice, but it was uh, a whole other world, you know? Um, so why don't we, why don't we do this? Why don't we uh, do uh, 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 talk about Rad Lab? Yeah. Well, Rad Lab and Pro Retouch. Yep. Uh, you know, we're lucky to have uh, people that support the show the, whose products that we actually really like. Yep, uh, and that's that's been kind of the the cornerstone for when when Bill and I started talking about this and trying to to get some support for the show. One of the things that we both agreed on was it has to be stuff that we believe in. We don't you know want to just sort of shill photo products. Um, is that fair? That's fair, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so totally rad. We're are kind enough to be another supporter of the site. And uh, I've been using Rad Lab for a long time. I used the totally rad actions before that. Uh, and now I'm using Pro Retouch. And I, I can't say enough about them. They're fast. They're intuitive. Um, we've released a bunch of uh, recipe packs for Rad Lab that you can download for free. You guys are all over those recipe packs. I need to make up some recipe packs. You should. We're going to do another one for Halloween. Okay. Ooh, a Halloween recipe pack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, But you know, they're, they're not expensive tools and yet they are amazingly flexible and the results are fantastic. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a fan. And they have these new, uh, amped presets for Lightroom. Have you seen Lightroom? Yeah. Yeah. Those are pretty cool. Because a lot of times you, you know, it's, it goes back to my whole thing at the beginning of the show where a lot of times to make your pictures look different in the modern age, if, if you're using a Canon camera and I'm using a Canon camera, a lot of times the pictures are going to look very similar unless mm-hmm. you're processing them in some way that gives them character that makes them more yours, you know? Sure, sure. Uh, and I think that's one of the problems uh, with t- back in the day, you could use different films, different developers, different papers, and your, your, your pictures kind of got pushed in different directions. Um, where now that's, you know, less so. And so you have to sort of, you have to do that, uh, on purpose, you know? And I think, I think all of these totally rad products are great for that. Um, Well, one of the, you know, one of the other things I like about them is they can be, they're flexible enough to be applied in different severities or intensities. And I think, uh, that's important moving forward because I, I I think a lot of photographers are going to look back on, on, the post-processing that they're doing now in six months or a year or so and go, wow, okay, that's, that's really not indicative of, of a style that I want associated with my work. Okay. I think there's a, I think there are a lot of people that are, that are kind of jumping on this sort of 
overly saturated, overly sharpened, overly filtered uh, bandwagon. And to me, that's not where it's at. That's, that's, That's not letting the work speak. That's trying to mask what may be, let's face it, mediocre work. Yep. Yeah, um, you, you know what it is. It's you have to think about these kinds of tools as a spice rack. Mm-hmm. They are they are not the meal, <laughs> right? They right are on. they are spices, and you can use them way too much. Yeah. So it's it's about using them in moderation to uh, uh, to nudge the image you took into the image that was in your head. Sure. Um, and I think a lot of times, even with the Rad Lab stuff, it's 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 processing with it and then pulling it back a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, turning down the intensity a little bit uh, helps. Yeah. Uh, but but to be able to stack those things and be able to see how they stack is is very very useful. Absolutely. And uh, and those guys, they're a great company too. Yeah, they're nice guys. Small company. I, I like you, you know this kind of thing where if you had an idea for something, they'd probably actually make it if you su- suggested it to them. I think that's prob- probably true. Yeah. And, and the fact that, that Doug Boutwell, the head of the company, the owner of the company, he and Shannon, um, is, is one of the guys who's in there building it. He's not just, yeah. you know, a figurehead or, or I mean, he, he's, he's kind of the, the one who came. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, I talked to Jeremiah. He's like, yeah, Doug went away for a couple of weeks into his office and came out with Pro Retouch 2. Right. You know, that's, that's pretty cool. Yep. Um, they believe in what they're doing and, and, uh, and I like supporting them. And, uh, and if you guys want to get some stuff from Totally Rad, uh, 15% off uh, any of their products of your whole order using the offer code 1435OTP, 1435OTP. And that helps support the show. Yeah. Good uh, stuff. We are big fans. So hey, before we, we do Ansel Adams. Can we talk about one more thing? Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Uh, did you, th- 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 I want to talk about this Facebook thing with copyright violation. Oh, you want to talk about that thing? Can okay. we do it real quick or is yeah, it too long? Yeah, we can long? do it. No, let's just okay. bang it out. So uh, last week, uh, was it last week? Either last week or the week before, uh, Facebook took down um, a, a site, a, a fan page, I guess, is what they're, are they still calling them fan pages? Uh, yeah, pages. I, pages. I, anyway, I track. Uh, the, called The Cool Hunter for copyright violation. Now this this site was kind of like one of those like Tumblr bloggy kind of things that just grabs a bunch of people's stuff and sticks it sure. up there, right? Just yeah, kind of an aggregate of uh of other people's work scraping other people's work. There's a lot of those things out there, man. Well, you know, all yeah, there I mean, we do it to a certain extent with with faded and blurred, yeah. but the difference is we actually kind of cull through things and curate and and yeah, you write guys are better at about it. it. Yeah, we Far write better. something about it. We're not just scraping content and, you know, putting up every single thing that has to do with cameras or photography. We're a lot more selective. Right. Um, and that makes us better. You are better. Well, thank you. Uh, but anyway, so, so uh, to, to my knowledge, there, there weren't any complaints levied against Facebook. It was Facebook that made the call is that is that the way you saw it so facebook saw that they had a pile of fans they saw they had all this stuff and they just dumped it well first of all why they did the whole thing as a page on facebook not as a blog somewhere else and this is like an ad an adjunct yes that's that's the way i understand it uh now what what the the owner of the site uh is saying that uh, this guy named bill ticos or ticos ticos uh saying that they had five years worth of content Okay. And, you know, there, seven, there, 700,000 fans. There, there are a number of things going on here. Number one, 
this is the problem with building on somebody else's platform. Absolutely. And you know what? It sucks that they did this and maybe they're wrong, but you don't really have any recourse. You're on their platform. Right. If you had your own site, then you'd have some recourse. You'd also have a uh, much bigger issue with somebody suing you, though, I think, mm-hmm. in some ways. Sure. Um, it, basically, what their thing was, you know, if if we know who made it, we give them credit. If we can't figure it out who made it, we just put it up and we're not. If someone comes to us and we want to tell people who it is, if we can't always figure it out. Is that basically right. what it is? Does that seem like a, a, a weak excuse to you as somebody who puts up other people's work? Um, see, I, it's hard for me to comment on it in that respect because I, I was never aware of, of this, this page or this site. And and that was the other side of the argument is how much publicity and notice, I mean, you know, this is what we do. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly searching for photo related and, and artistic related, uh, content. And I've never heard of this so I, I can't comment on what they were doing or how they were doing it. I guess I just um, mean that, you know, if, if you're putting stuff up, would you ever put stuff up unattributed or do you figure out who it is before you put it up? We, do you we, have that hard of a time finding who it is? You don't have that hard of time finding it. And a lot of times what we will do is we'll go to the source and say, hey, we'd like to showcase X, Y, Z. Uh, are you cool with that? And, you know, we get an email saying, yeah, I love it. Great. And, right. and oftentimes those people will then tweet out, you know, hey, my stuff's on Faded and Blurred. Go check it out. Right. Um, you so, know, so in some ways. We're trying to. I don't say we, we, we are. Right. You know, and then he also says, you know, I can't believe they're upset about people sharing images. Facebook is founded on sharing. It's like, yeah, but pictures of some, you know, friend of theirs at a party versus, say, my images of my own work. That's two completely different things. Well, I, one is you know, deliberate the, art and one is like pictures of me and my friends at a party. Okay. Yes. But, but on, on some level it goes, it goes back to, if you don't want your images shared, don't put them online. There, uh, there is, true. there is a part of that. Yeah, sure. Sure. But, but you know, if, but it's not, you know, somebody linking to you is one thing. Somebody taking them and putting them on their site is another mm-hmm. sharing by linking to is one is how, is what the web is built on. Sure. I don't necessarily agree that sharing by scraping is what the web is for. Well, I didn't, didn't Flipboard, was it Flipboard that got in trouble for that because they were scraping too much content? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't use Flipboard. I don't use any of those things. I like don't going, you? I like going to websites. Well, but how do you know what to go to? Um, I have my set of very small set of sites that I actually click through and like, like on a reader, do you use Google Reader? Don't use Google Reader. I just go to different websites when I'm like, ah, oh, I want to go to Faded and Blurred. I go to my title bar and type in fadedandblurred.com. <laughs> I'm old school. Um, I have tried readers. I have tried aggregators. I've tried Flipboard, and it always feels to me. Okay. I don't know. It just doesn't you work know, for me. I, I just I thought it was interesting. Um, it is interesting, is, but I think he's crying first- whatever. Well, yeah, this, I think what makes it partially, what makes it interesting is this is the first really large takedown yeah. on Facebook's part. Okay. Um, and I don't know if it's indicative of somebody of must, I think somebody must have complained. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and when think, you're putting up that much one, stuff, right? yeah, if you're putting up that much stuff, then you know what? Like, you know, he was making money on it somehow, I'm sure. So, you know. 
Don't put it on Facebook. Build your own thing. Right. I don't know. Um, that kind of drives me nuts. Where, where are we at? What? Are on we this, on, on the time? Show? Are we okay? Yeah, we're a little fine. You know, here's what we'll do. We'll do, you wanted to talk for five minutes about the Apple stuff, right? Yeah, why not? You want to do and that it, after Photographer of the Week or do you want to do it before? Uh, either way. Either um, way. It's, it's a quick conversation. Okay, I, let's do know. that now and then we'll do Photographer of the Week. Um, uh, yeah. So, new stuff. Let's see. Uh, Retina MacBook Pro 13-inch. Right. With the uh, same resolution as my 30-inch display and a 13-inch laptop. Um, there is the new IMAX, same resolution screens, new redesign, teardrop shape, no optical drive. Is that about it? What do you think of it, the, the move to, to no optical drive on, on what, what Apple has said is the number one desktop computer in the, in, in the country? The only thing I use an optical drive for is ripping CDs. Okay. Or every once in a while, if I have a video, like for example, when I got those eight millimeter videos back, right. they sent it to me on a DVD. So I put it in there to rip it. Um, I, I, I will say the new iMac is gorgeous. Oh, it's a very, very pretty machine. And I will tell you as somebody who I spent this trip with just my iPad. And let me just tell you that the iPad is absolutely useless as a tool for people like me. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You'd said that. Yeah. Now, are, so uh, iPhoto, to, be, to be fair, let's qualify it a little bit. Uh, are you using Wi-Fi or the 3G? Uh, Wi-Fi. Okay. Which, which is not really the stumbling block. I was surprised at your stumbling block. Go ahead. Uh, apparently it tops out at 18 megapixel import. So I couldn't import any of my images. Well, I could, if I had it save raw and say medium JPEG, just mm-hmm. so that the iPad had something to pull in. Um, but when I was doing all of those HDR things, it was saving it as JPEG. So I had JPEG set as large for most of the time. Cause I don't want to save medium JPEGs of the final thing. Right. Um, so basically, for what I wanted to use it for, which was to, you know, everyone's, every night pull the stuff into the iPad so I could flip through and upload a couple things. Right. It was useless. And I, I wonder why that is. Do you, I mean, that's uh, very I'm strange. Sure there's, a, there's a, they probably figure 90% of people have cameras that are under 18 megapixels because they're all these, you know, crop sensor T3i kinds of things mm-hmm. that... Um, that serious photographers are going to be using a big laptop and, you know, and that the thing doesn't have enough CPU juice to actually pull it off or I I don't know what it is, but for my purposes, it made the iPad no good for what I wanted to use it for. I wonder if they will lift or change that, that cap with now the new, one of the other things they released today was a, an updated version of the iPad three, uh, uh, it's iPad. the iPad 4. It would be right. the iPad fourth generation. The fourth um, generation. So faster CPU, is that a, basically the main thing? And then the new That's connector the at the thing. bottom? Yeah, yeah, new connector and faster CPU. Um, sure. I, I mean, I, it's not the performance of the iPad that wasn't good enough. It's that they wouldn't let me import the things. And then even when I did import a few things and I was playing with them in iPhoto, it still feels like finger painting to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like even I know, oh look, you can brighten the sky and dark saturate this and slide up and down. It's still, it's not the tools. You know, it's like, it, it's it's like somebody telling you I have to fix the car and all I have is an adjustable wrench when right. I have a full set of, um, full set of snap-on stuff back at home. You know, right. and I understand it's a it's a tablet, it's not a thing, but at a certain point it just becomes okay. Well, why am I doing it at all? I'll just wait till I get home. 
Sure. I don't want to carry a big laptop with me. I, I mean, I don't even have a laptop. Heather's got a 13-inch Air, which is fine. And then we were like, you know what? We're not going to take that. We'll just take the iPad because I'll be able to do everything on the iPad. And I couldn't do anything on the iPad. Mm. Um, but, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's to each his own. We got to watch Grimm on the iPad. That's what it was for. <laughs> but it um, took you four hours it's, to it's download an $800, Yeah, it's an $800 video <laughs> player is what, I, is what I have. That's right. Because uh, the hotel Wi-Fi is so fantastic. It's very useful. <laughs> Um, it's net zero. And then, then there's the, uh, the little iPad mini, which is what? 329 to start? 329 to start. Uh, A5 chip. So it's the same chip that's in the iPad 2. See, here, here's what's funny. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm an Apple fan, but it, it's, it's funny. They, they, they introduce the updated iPad 3. So the iPad 4. And, and Phil is, is uh, going on about how amazing the A6X chip is and how you just you have to have this thing. This is the greatest thing ever. But then they talk about the yeah, iPad Mini. we're going to make Mini. the iPad Mini that has this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, but, it's, but it's good. It's good. You know, I, don't, I don't know. It just felt. And it's, it's, it's uh, 1024 by 768? 1024, it, it just feels strange to me that it doesn't even have the same processor in it that the phone has, that the iPhone 5. You would think yeah. that, that, well, that they would gotta use make that it cheap. supply chain. Well, they got to make it cheap. Yeah. Um, I I, it's also, it, the bezel on the sides, I know they're talking about how the screen is taking up more space or whatever, but the bezel on the side, for the way I hold tablets like that, mm-hmm. I feel like I'd be hitting the screen a lot when I, with my thumb sort of you know holding the front edge. Right. That's like a little too small. Yeah. You know, and they also uh, talked about how much more space there is because they're you know 4 by 3 and not 16 by 9 but... Did they show them playing a video on it? In which case, most of the screen is black. See, and that's that's the thing, right? It's, um, it's, you know what? Here's here's the problem with all of this talk. Okay, and then the one other thing is the the fusion drive where they're doing the hybrid SSD and hard drive sort of merged in software on the new IMAX. Right. Um, here's the thing with all of this stuff, and as far as as far as it involves our listeners, none of these things are going to make you take better pictures. Nope. Not one of these things has anything to do with you making better pictures, you know, unless you're working with a five-year-old iMac that's so slow that you can't work on it. Okay, buy a new iMac. But if you have a modern computer or a modern iPad, you know, this is not going to help. It's just, it's, they're pretty, they're gorgeous. It's Apple stuff. Of course it's gorgeous. But getting outside and maybe going on a trip might make you a better photographer. Instead of spending $1,000 on, you know, that, the, the new iPad with all the juice in it. Why don't you go take a trip to Sequoia national park? What did you tell me as you guys were leaving? What did you say to actually, you said it to Nikki. What did you say to her? Uh, d- don't buy a new camera. Yeah. Save your money and come to New York. I mean, don't, don't buy a camera. Use your money and come to New York. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's probably a better idea. We've got two cameras. We've yeah. Actually, we've got three cameras, yeah. you know, uh, get out of your head, get out of your, your comfort zone and go, shoot somewhere else, take yeah. a drive an hour, two hours in, in some direction and shoot. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it just, it bothers me. Uh, I mean, it, it just in the sense that this is the kind of stuff, I mean, you get wrapped up in it. It's beautiful and ooh ah, you know, new computers, but there's nothing, there's nothing revolutionary about any of this stuff. Mm. I mean, would it be cool to have a, a, a really nice, um, uh, a really nice display on a 13 inch laptop that weighs three and a half pounds? Sure. But is that going to change anything about how I take pictures? No. Right, right. 
it's just you know it's cool great if i was if i was a guy who was on site all the time or traveling and if i was a landscape photographer could go back to the hotel and actually work on my images on a 15 or 13 inch laptop with that kind of screen yeah it would make my workflow better but it's not going to make my pictures better right right two different things um all right let's talk about ansel adams i know i know yeah exactly (laughs) um he's a monster does anybody else does anybody not know who ansel adams is or is he just sort of a thing? He was one of the first photographers that we learned about in high, my high school photography class. Yeah. In fact, he probably was the first photographer that that we learned about. Yeah. Um, and then we went back and, and went to, you know, the, the, some of the classics. But uh, yeah, Ansel Adams, he was the rock star, right? He was, you know, he was the one who I had posters of, of Ansel Adams in my room. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> So, uh, for those of you who don't know, Ansel Adams, uh, mostly landscape photographer known for his work. I think work. I just got slammed. Yeah, did you I did. Just get, I did. I actually, yeah. no, I swear to God, I did too. So, hey, I had that it. one Farrah Fawcett poster too. Hey, uh, Jonathan Gorman, whose house we were at the other day, had Ansel Adams up on his wall there. Didn't you see it? No. Why did it was I, on the I, wall behind where you were sitting, apparently. Okay. Behind where Nikki was sitting. Oh, um, right. Okay. Okay. Uh, I just, no, I couldn't, I couldn't not. I couldn't stop looking at that map that needed to be ironed. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so terrible. Um, so large format photographer, black and white, largely worked up in the Sierra Nevada mountains, especially Yosemite, very famous. Um, was around for a long time from 1902 to 1984. So he saw a lot of changes in the photographic process. Yes. Um, and in fact, he was one of the guys who helped develop the Polaroid 55 film with Polaroid that I loved so much. In fact, I have an Ansel Adams book about using Polaroid for landscape work, uh, which wow. is actually pretty interesting. Um, so his big thing are these like really dynamic uh, photographs of of like Half Dome and and all of the pictures that you take when you go to Yosemite are the things that you're trying to replicate what Ansel Adams does. Right, 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 right. Not you. You know, not me. Yeah. Other, other lesser photographers. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to say better photographers. No, see, I turned it around. I'm trying to keep there you on you, your toes. You threw, you threw me a loop. Um, but he used to hike up on these crazy, like hike up to Glacier Point with an eight by 10 and a, and a wooden tripod on his back. Right. And spend hours there yeah. waiting for perfect light. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this guy, it was, he was, he, he was hardcore. You ever see those really cool pictures of like him on top of a station wagon taking mm-hmm. pictures? Uh, he would like set up his tripod and stuff on top of his station wagon and like take pictures so he can right. get up above. Uh, he was, he was, he was fantastic. And one of the people who really sort of looked forward in technology and was always trying to, even though he shot a lot of black and white, um, he always sort of moving forward with technology. And he was actually kind of interested in digital cameras before he died. So a lot of people are like, well, Ansel Adams, I think Ansel Adams actually would have used digital cameras. Right. You know, well, he did a lot of post-processing. Yeah. Post well, processing. Yeah. A lot of stuff in the dark room. In fact, right. there's some really famous negatives of his that he's printed multiple times and they're drastically different prints. And it just goes to show you how much stuff went into it after the fact, after mm-hmm. the image was taken. Was he the guy who made the quote about, um, uh, the, the negative is the score. The print is the performance. I, you know what? I don't know if, if, it, if that was him or that was Weston. It was one of the, I think it was one of those guys. 
I don't know. Look it up. Yeah. Princes uh, while you're looking it up, uh, he also, speaking of Edward Weston, it was Ansel Adams, uh, formed a, a, the group F64. Yep. Uh, which was which a, doesn't make a any group. sense to most photographers because your camera doesn't stop down to f64. Yeah, yeah, but large format uh, cameras do. But this was this was a group dedicated to sort of elevating the aesthetic of of fine art photography. Yeah, and you know it was Imogen Cunningham, it was Edward Weston, Willard Van Dyke, Henry Swift, uh, John Paul Edwards, and yep. Sonia. How do you pronounce her last name? Noskowiak, I think. Okay. Um talented group of people no fantastic uh and and one of the cool things he did he actually donated all of his negatives to some school in arizona is mm-hmm. it so that the students at that school can actually get their hands on his original negatives and print them for classes and for projects and things that's amazing to like try things out yeah which is just i mean that's the cool kind of stuff that you can do much cooler than the guys who die and say none of my negatives will ever be printed again after my yeah. death <laughs> Do they say it like that? Yeah, they do. It's actually they they have to do video of that shot. Are they are they are they in the haunted mansion at Disneyland? And then and then do they say there are no windows and no doors? It's funny enough. There, uh, the the place we stayed in Santa Maria actually felt like the haunted mansion in Disney World. <laughs> at least it didn't feel like the place in Fresno. No. That was actually a nice place to be stuck in. Anyway, uh, so Ansel Adams, a big shot. Did you have you guys done a, a, a write up on him, a spotlight? No, really, have not. I don't think so. No, we haven't. Okay, well then we, we'll, we'll put some links in. But uh, we'll put some know, links in. I'm a huge fan of Ansel Adams. Yeah, I again, you know, I had posters and although yeah. a lot of some of his stuff is not actually like I, some of the stuff you look at and you're like, oh, it's a leaf, or you know, whatever it is, right? Not all of his work is this crazy dramatic. Uh-huh. No, some of it is very subtle, and yep. uh, I, my favorite picture is of his, and maybe we can even we can even put it. It's uh, the Aspens. Uh, let me see if we can find it. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, oh, I, I think it's just yeah, called yeah. Aspens. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it looks. I don't know if it's infrared. It's just. It's an yeah, amazing. Yeah, there's something weird about it, right? Mm-hmm. Northern New Mexico. It was shot in. Yeah, that's beautiful. that's a beautiful photograph, um, and the light's actually kind of simple. Yeah, I think he just used speed lights. Yeah, <laughs> he he was a strobist photographer, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, so genius. Hey, uh, I, I almost forgot to tell you we were talking about museums. Yeah. Have you seen this film called Russian Ark? No. Okay. I'm going to recommend this this film to you. Uh, it was shot in the the, uh, the Hermitage Museum, okay? But the entire film is one take. Oh, that's cool. How long is it? Uh, an hour forty. It's an it's no ninety six minutes long. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's an hour forty and it's one take. It's one take. Like one shot. One shot. Wow. They built special cameras to hold these these enormous spools of film. And they did the entire film, 2,000 actors, they did the entire film in one take, moving through the Hermitage Museum. See, that's ballsy. Right? Yeah. And the music is all provided by orchestras, quartets, etc. on set. So the music was all recorded live as well. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> See, that's ballsy. <laughs> right? That's hardcore. Yeah. Russian Ark is the name of the film. See, that's the kind of thing they would do in Eastern Europe that they could never do here. Right. That's that, that's that sort of, you know, artsy on a whole other level. 
That's cool. Russian arc. We'll have to put that in the show notes. Yeah. All right. So why don't we do this? Why don't we say we'll come back, we'll call it a day here, and then we'll come back like on Friday and and do all the Q&As? Yes. And we'll let people... And and more actual photo-related stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And um, just just as a thing, last episode uh, had huge numbers. So any new listeners out there, welcome. Yeah, and, and thank uh, you for listening. Yeah, uh, we love uh, we love feedback. So if you want to get a hold of us and send us a question or a comment or complain to us about Jeffrey, uh, <laughs> you can do so at podcast at ontakingpictures.com. <sighs> you like that? Yeah. What, okay. what, did, what did that, what was the latest review? I, I'm, the, I'm the Ed McMahon to your curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm a likable curmudgeon in your Ed McMahon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You are correct, sir. Hey, what's um uh what's the phone number? Do you have that handy? Uh, yes, I do. In fact, we have a a call in, a phone call, a, yeah. a message. We're gonna that work we'll on that next next episode on Friday's show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is it? Three four seven six eight seven nine four one one. Yep. Three four seven six eight seven nine four one one. And you can uh, leave us a little voicemail, and we may use it on the show, like the one we're going to use next time. And uh, Twitter, at Bill Wadman, and you are at Jeffrey Sidoris, E-R-Y-D-D-1-R. Yes. Anything else? No. Okay. That no, was I'm fun. just, I've, I'm sorry. I'm that sorry was a we, big wrap-up show. Well, and, and sorry we missed last week, but, you yeah. know. All right. We will, uh, we went an hour and a half anyway. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. More Even next. when we try and go, go shorter. Uh, we, we, yeah. anyway. More in a few days. Uh, yep. We'll talk to you soon.